everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast on this beautiful Sunday after that incredible snowstorm a couple of days ago. <laughs> yesterday. I, it was yesterday. Nikki made me go out and you know, shovel the snow. Shovel the snow, and the dogs got lost in it. That did happen, <laughs> it was right? Something like that. Some, something like that. We've got a, this show is going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. First of all, we were at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, a new restaurant on 11th Street called Nina May. We loved it. Uh, Colin McClemens is in. He's the executive chef and owner. It's Terrific new American cuisine. You're going to hear all about that. We get to taste some of it. And as the perfect segue, one of his suppliers, one of his beloved resources is Mm -hmm. Mary Ackley, who who runs Little Wild Things Farm. Uh, They produce certified naturally grown microgreens, uh, microherbs, and edible flowers on less than a quarter of acre in Washington, D.C. And you're going to hear how that works. A farm in D.C. Mm -hmm. Uh, Isn't it like a tree grows in Brooklyn? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not at all like that, in fact, Nikki. Did you ever read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn? I only know it from, like, Bugs Yeah, Bunny. yeah, yeah. But <laughs> what are you, a maroon? <laughs> Anyways, and we've got some homies with us. Uh, Franklin and Kate Diamond are the uh, co-owners of Frankly Pizza in Kensington, scenic, Maryland. downtown Kensington, Maryland, which, if Around you don't know, it is kind of like Mayberry and right next to Chevy Chase. Am I right? Mm-hmm. I am right. I'm always right. No. Uh, they started Frankly Pizza as a mobile uh, pizza uh, oven. oven. In 2011, they opened up in the old Cafe 1894 space, what we were 1% owners in that debacle. That and they've turned it into a real garden spot. They've got amazing pizzas and more there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Will Patton, who's the beverage director at Michelin Star Bresca, uh, is in. He's currently a finalist in the very prestigious Bacardi Legacy Cocktail Competition. Uh, that's next week, right? You're heading off to that. And he's going to make it for us in studio. He is. We're going to get schnonkered. We're going to get schnonkered, and no, then we're, we're going to wake up. Because Nazia Khan here, she's the director of uh, coffee and counter service for Neighborhood Restaurant Group. Uh, no, but they're wait. opening up a new space. Yes, I got that right okay, here. Right, Give well, me a chance. They're opening uh, an all-day coffee shop at the Roost Food Hall, which opens up in shortly in March. March? No, March ish. March ish. March-ish. Yeah, we'll <laughs> and uh, that place is going to be called Cameo. We're going to hear about that too. But it's not just coffee. It's coffee and tea. It's all things. David with a doesn't bit drink of tea. David drinks coffee. Nobody so cares what David Dave... does. Yes, they and do. Especially when Nazia he talks does. about himself in the third. Look person. at her bat her eyelashes. Just... Oh, I care. That's uh, <laughs> weird. All right. Okay. Let's so, get to Mitch. Let, before we do that, we're going to talk to Mitch Berliner out at Central Farm Markets. Mitch, are you there? I am indeed. Children, I'm coming down to separate you. Yeah, I, know. Hi, I know. She's how mean. Are you? She's got I a mean, mean streak. Uh, how Super are you? Mean. Happy New Year. Happy and healthy to you, your listeners, and all the foodies out there. So what's happening at the markets? So, yeah, uh, what do you got going on? Well, well, um, got great weather. Second week in a row. I mean, last week was short, so we even had live music. It was so crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, we've got Nova opened up uh, with 30 or so vendors. Bethesda's got over 40. What are, what are folks buying? Things. Well, I think what's important to, to mention here, Mitch, is that the farmer's markets are open. And just because it's the months are colder does not mean you shouldn't go and support your local area farmers. I would, I would 
make that argument tenfold and say this is the time to really think about them. We've got such loyal customers that people will say to me when it's like snowing or super cold, Mm -hmm. they'll go, I know the farmers are out there. I don't want to go out there, but if they're out there, I got to go out and support them and all the small producers. Is there some small producers that you want to feature today on the show? Like, is there a couple people who are doing something really interesting that you want to sort of point out, give a shout out to? Well, a few things I'll say briefly. First of all, the farm market bakery here in Bethesda is gearing up for great, unusual things for uh, Valentine's heart-shaped cakes, mm. football-shaped cookies, oh my God, things Val- like that. Do we that. have to talk about Valentine's and Day already? My God. <clears throat> but, okay, go yeah, ahead. Well, you Sorry, know. I asked. So we well, I need early warning, so. Mm-hmm. Right. Please. Well, you've been warned. Uh-huh. And then um, I think I've mentioned before, um, for at least these eight months of the cooler weather, we have a guy that's got his own oyster farm, and I think we ought to get him to talk about what he does on the show in a few weeks because that's so unique and he's got a line of people you know coming up he actually raises the oysters himself Mm. so that's really cool and we've got a new barbecue person that you know here in bethesda um josh karen geppetto catering um he's got a huge smoker he brings it smokes stuff right on the premise so we've Mm -hmm. got uh, that's great Super Bowl stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, that's good for yeah, today, for the playoffs today, too. And Super Bowl next week. Right, exactly. It's not so next we week, got it's a week after. Uh-huh. Uh, ribs, etc. So that's really a, a, All a right. thing also. So, um, yeah, we've got plenty of produce. We've got in both markets, Nova and uh, Bethesda, we've got guys with huge greenhouse operations like Toygo and Twin Springs. So we've got cucumbers and tomatoes and lettuce and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to so make a salad. All right, Mitch, do me a favor. Make sure everybody knows where the markets are for today. I will do that indeed. So everybody, please come down, support your local farmers at Nova Central Farm Market. It's on the parking lot of the George C. Marshall High School, right in the shadows of Tyson's Corner every Sunday morning from nine to from eight thirty to one and then we've got bethesda from nine thirty to one thirty on the parking lot of the all bethesda right. elementary Thanks, school Mitch. in downtown bethesda all right everybody Thanks, go Mitch. to central farm markets today we got it support those farmers thanks mitch okay all right so let's bring in nazia khan nazia do, i don't know if you know this but you're director of coffee and counter service at neighborhood restaurant group did they tell you <laughs> they I tell am. you about so your fancy schmancy tell us exactly title. <laughs> now you started in doing foreign policy and all of that and uh your head probably spun out of control and you decided <laughs> to do something that no, you know but how does one get into coffee or coffee and tea or this kind of beverage program well honestly by accident a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, I grew up studying international relations, came to D.C. I like, had a couple of those myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, He's here every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I came to D.C. like so many do, looking for a policy job, and mm-hmm. I started working downtown and then realized I had free weekends and didn't know the city, so I started working at a small coffee shop, and I just Which one? fell in love. Um, it, the YDAM? Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. they have an incredible coffee program. They do. They do. It's a multi-roaster program. There's an incredible attention to detail. So I got my chops there. I learned a lot about coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then how did you continue that education? Well, 
A lot of different ways. I mean, the cool thing about having different roasters in your shop is you're just constantly learning. You're constantly getting coffees from all over the world mm-hmm. prepared in a different way. So it was a constant learning experience. Um, for the uninitiated, for people who don't, you know, they go and they get their cup of coffee, maybe they don't understand what different roasters mean. Like, what does that mean? Like, so you ha- get the beans, you get them from wherever, but different you get a different roaster because it does some because somebody does roast one way as opposed to another. Sure. Yeah. Um, so every coffee shop, when you walk in, there is someone who has roasted those beans. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it happens in the shop. Sometimes it does not. Um, basically, the coffee bean really what it is is it's a fruit. It's a cherry, um, and it's the beans or the seeds inside of a cherry. And mm-hmm. so, in order to get some really good flavor out of them, we essentially cook them. We put them over heat and roast Mm -hmm. them. And so different roasters do this different ways, some for longer, some with different recipes, and then they send them in bags to us, to our grocery market shelves, Mm -hmm. to a shop for a barista to brew for you. And so when you got into it, did you want to be roasting or did you want to be pouring? What what really turned you on? To be honest, when I started, I just wanted to know how to brew coffee at home. I Mm -hmm. wanted to learn more about it because I liked the way it tasted. And then immediately I got super interested in the supply chain because that's what spoke to me. It's a really global product. You get it from all over the world. And so sure. I wanted to know about the farmer that was growing it. I mm-hmm. wanted to know about the roaster that was taking care of it. All right. Well, we're right. going to be coming back to you several times during the show. So uh, Wait, what's what are the, you pouring first? What are you pouring first? Um, first, we have a Kenya Rianjagi. Mm-hmm. Um, it is from kind of the central Kenya region. It's a washed coffee, really beautiful it's roasted by Parlor Coffee Roasters, who we will be partnering with at Cameo. So really right. excited to share. All right, great. Go ahead and pour for everybody in studio. And let's get into Colin. Colin McClymans, chef. chef owner. Chef probably owner. exhausted. Uh, you know, <laughs> I still got a lot of energy left. Okay. But Nina May, uh, why don't we do a little bit of your background? Where did you come from and how did you get I uh, grew up in Washington, D.C., Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of blocks in the city? from this studio. Yeah, off Military Road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, St. John's or Gonzaga? I went to Moray. I went to Murray. I know. Oh We've had this God. conversation. Wait, I know. Oh, my God. Frogs Fighting for life. Frogs. I, know. I know. Look at you. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like you Do you not more. remember having the conversation? No. I, should I be concerned? My God, I'm old. I can't okay. remember. Who are you? I don't know. Um, all right. So? Uh, and so I cooked for 10 years. I worked for Todd Gray in Washington, D.C. for in studio last week. Yeah, for many, many years. I was the chef de cuisine there for six years. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I went, most recently, I was the comedy director at Slipstream, uh, Coffee and all-day cafe. Mm-hmm. Nazia's uh, like, I know that. Yeah, and uh, did the food program there for about a year. Uh-huh. Uh, and then partnered with a good friend of mine, Danilo Simic, uh, to do Nina May. But, you know, opening up a restaurant in this city is not easy. Not and easy. And getting money to open up a restaurant in the city. And I don't want to bring up your space, but I'm going to because it's an omen space. Several things have tried to open up there and yeah. not work. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I mean, I think anytime you go into a business opportunity, you have to look at every resource you have. And Mm -hmm. I think it's nice to have a restaurant that was previous there. We had the opportunity to kind of analyze and decide what was going on there and Mm -hmm. and what was. I mean, what did you do? Because to my, you know, we've talked about Omen Spaces. There are a couple of those on Connecticut Avenue up by Van Ness. But the the reality is if you've got something good, people are going to beat a path to your to your door. Well, I, I'm going to interrupt. I also think opening up something that the neighborhood wants. I mean, I think that's a big a thing. You have to, you know, target a proper market for where you are located. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt like we could do that with our concept. Um, 
and we felt like the neighborhood, you know, there was good foot traffic. The location was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the building was the right space. I think sometimes that's a big factor. It can be too big or too small for the what you're trying to really do. space is really nice, too. Well, actually, right? I think what's interesting about the space is that there's so few spaces like that for restaurants in D.C. Do you know what I mean? It's not brand new. It's not this ginormous, you know. Right, there's a lot of development in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at Navy Yard or The Wharf, which is all brand, brand new, um, or even down the street, look at like 15th and K. Yeah, I mean, so like every building is I think now. in terms of restaurants, you know, in this city, restaurants are opening all over. And, and those mm-hmm. are, are deals that people make in order to get brand new spaces. And, you know, we like the history. I felt like I had history in D.C. And so to take over a building that's been there mm-hmm. uh, and seen Shaw through all of its changing was kind of ex- uh, special to us. You know, we've exposed brick in the in the building, which we really liked. Um, and so those kind of character elements it's with very the warm in there and well, that's what not, i like you mean warm like no not hot like you got to take your clothes <laughs> off although i would do that at a minute's notice but um no i mean it just if it, it, it listen i'm i'm the worst person to bring into a restaurant because i'm a crab it's very yes, welcoming really annoying to bring into a restaurant if, uh, <laughs> we were really trying to bring so much fun but i mean it's very you yeah. feel welcome the, the wait okay. staff was great why don't we take a quick break and then when we come back what i'd like to food. do is talk about your concept and how you executed it and rolled it out. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Marae alum, Colin McClymans, who happens to be the executive chef and co-owner of Nina May, which is a great new restaurant down in Shaw. Um, let's talk about the food and your whole concept there. Uh, so we wanted to do um, a modern American concept, uh, new American concept is what we call it. Uh, something that was a little bit different, and I think when we were trying to come up with what we wanted to do in the restaurant, uh, we went back to how we personally uh, like to eat. And um, the times I go to restaurants, um, opposed to classic dining, which is appetizers, entrees, desserts, uh, each individual person kind of gets one. Um, we wanted to do something where we felt like you could experience more of what the restaurant has to offer. So obviously, restaurants have more than three dishes on their menu, usually many, uh, you know, 20 plus. And so how could we do something that um, would allow you to try six, seven, eight, ten dishes for a table um, so you could really see everything we were doing because if you're going to work so hard to put out really great food and drinks, we want you to be able to experience everything every time you come to the restaurant. So tell us, like, what these dishes are comprised of. Uh, so we take, we, we're super hyper uh, local and seasonal, so we try to source everything from within 150 miles and then we build the rest uh, the menu based on that concept. So mm-hmm. right now in winter, it's a little tough, a lot of potatoes, tons of carrots, uh, rutabaga, celery root, a lot of root vegetables, um, and then try to work with our suppliers with you know what else they can bring to the table, dried beans, whether you have dried peppers from spring. Because it is a veggie-heavy menu. Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, with my background at Equinox, which mm-hmm. does plant-based and vegetable-based uh, cuisine, mm-hmm. a lot of it, uh, I wanted to kind of highlight some of those things, and, and if you're going to be seasonal, um, meats and proteins have some seasons, but not a lot, mm-hmm. um, so you really have to kind of rely on those things to drive creativity. Well, what did you bring in today? I did a bison tartare, mm-hmm. uh, so Delicious. we do uh, Texas toast, uh, make our own white bread, um, and then the bison's from Maryland. Uh, we get uh, micro cilantro and... Uh, other micros from Little Wild Things. Our next uh, guest. Yeah. Look at her preen over I know. there. <laughs> yeah. Mary, you can start setting It's up. got pickled carrots. Uh, you know, we can't use traditional stuff like capers or other things you use. So we try to, um, 
you know, use local onions and, mm-hmm. and it gives a, a fresh, vibrant, um, you know, flavor to everything we do. I think and, and you also do brunch. Like, just tell us what service you have so people know. Uh, so we do brunch on Saturday and Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, 10 to 2. We do dinner uh, seven days a week. Starts at 5. Happy hour goes 5 to 7. Mm-hmm. Um, open till 11. And then uh, we're starting a, a all-day cafe, which will be Monday through Friday, starting in February. Is that downstairs? Downstairs. So uh, what does that look seven like? Seven to two. So same setup. It's We have about six tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all counter service. We'll do pastries, coffee, um, uh, light lunch, uh, fare as well. I feel like well. this so is a and trend that I'm seeing in more and more we places. We wanted to be a neighborhood restaurant, and uh-huh. we felt like if you want to be a neighborhood you restaurant. You people on the way to work. Right? You have to be open. You can't be yeah, a neighborhood right. restaurant and, and close two space? days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to call yourself that, you have to be uh, something for the neighborhood. Um, and that kind of drove everything we kind of did. So instead of only doing dinner five days a week, mm-hmm. um, we wanted to be able to be accessible to everyone. Cool. Well, All thank right. you so much for coming thank in. Thank you for having now me. go cook brunch, man. Yeah, go what do, do brunch. All right. Nina Mays on 11th Street. I say go there. Okay. All right. <laughs> David Nevels has spoken. That's right. Okay. I'm hard to please. Nausea, so that coffee was really beautiful. Delicious. It um, really, like, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but it's mm-hmm. really had, like, a lot of floral. Like, it was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And smooth. That's super smooth. music to my ears. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do is make coffee for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, we were, we were uh, sorry to interrupt, but sure. we were talking about how coffee, you know, like craft brewing, and you know, coffee became a thing suddenly probably 20 years ago now with Starbucks, but Starbucks right. is, you know, they've got this kind of rolled out product and process and, and offering. And now you're, you're really talking about kind of premium specialty, you know, artisanal coffees that are, that sort of transcend the common coffee trend. Absolutely. Actually, Starbucks was a pioneer in the industry. Sure. I mean, they were the ones who went straight to farmers and started buying directly. And that's really what like the craft beer um, trend, specialty coffee is all about just honoring the origin and the place of coffee. And so it's roasters going to origin, it's importers going to origin and knowing where their coffee comes from and really bringing out the things that make it unique. But then you have people like you that are overseeing, because NRG is a big operation, but it's what, 18 restaurants or whatever oh, no, it is? no, it's way more than 18 restaurants. Is it? It's many? 18 in the region and then two in New York. New York, yep. you know. But my point is that you're you're really overseeing a very sort of meticulous, almost for each person who drinks the coffee process. It's a little well, different than the chains. Also, concept-wise, every restaurant... Every right? restaurant like is it gets different. its own right. right. Makes sense. I mean, that's the ethos of the neighborhood restaurant group. Right. It's building restaurants that fit that. You know, Michael Babin's listening, so we. Have- <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's all about creating unique chef-driven restaurants, and so you know, in Del Rey, Evening Star does not really look and feel the same as Church Key and Logan. Of course. And so, what it means is that also the coffee program might look a little bit different, but it's trying to create something that is for everyone, that everyone can enjoy, whether you're a. Mr. Coffee Folgers every morning person or, you know, someone who searches far and wide for small batch roasters. Okay, what are we pouring next? We are pouring in Ethiopia Shanduisa. It's a natural processed coffee, so it's going to taste totally different, really cool. wild. We're ready. Pour uh, it. All right. When we come back, I want to talk about the roost and cameo and find out what's going to be Absolutely. happening there. Okay. So, great segue to Colin's time here on the show. Mm-hmm. Mary Ackley is the, are you the founder of Little Wild Things? Farm? I am, yes. Look at you. And where did you come up with this idea? 
Because yeah. it's a tiny little piece. Where is it exactly? Wait, wait, wait. Let her tell what her business is first. You're starting like in the We've middle. We've already talked about it. I it's a really. farm on a quarter acre in the middle of D.C. Okay, crazy. Well, it is. Um, well, the farm looks very different today than I originally imagined it. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I could have never imagined what it has turned into, which is wonderful. But initially, I just wanted to work on a farm. And so I had applied for an apprenticeship at Polyface Farm. People might know it from the famous book, Omnivore's Dilemma. Right. Um, yeah. And the follow-up documentary. Right. Right. And so, of course, I didn't get it. It turns out a lot of people want to work on that farm. So I thought, what what could I do closer to home? Don't worry. They're mm-hmm. sorry now. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I was looking for space where, you know, thinking about different urban farming models and looking at things that had worked in suburban areas where Mm -hmm. a farmer would um, find a couple of plots of land, usually, um, you know, suburban homeowners, basically, Mm -hmm. and make deals with them to get a few a few yards, which would then add up to something that they could farm. Of course, I looked around um, D.C. and couldn't find anything like that. So I was just like racking my brain. How could I do this? But isn't it fascinating, like the change? Like, because now D.C. is actually looking for people like you to do that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Um, So I did. It was just luck, the timing that I got into it, too, Mm -hmm. Um, because I I really didn't even I wasn't aware that much of the urban farming scene or anything like that. Wow. Um, And so anyways, long story short, I couldn't find any land. One day I was on a run in my neighborhood. I live Mm -hmm. in Bloomingdale. um, And I ran past the Carmelite Monastery in, in Edgewood. And it just occurred to me in that moment that homeowners don't really have enough land, but institutions do. So schools mm-hmm. and churches. Right. And so I just thought I'd email the friars and ask them. And that's what I did. And I just brokered this little tiny deal to start growing on their land and, um, you know, just But how did started. you decide what, because what you're growing is very niche, right? Mm-hmm. So microgreens, edible flowers didn't start there okay so yeah so let's talk about how <laughs> started you with vegetables it. okay um and then turns and did out you want to grow it to sell like what was your initial yes. business model yes okay business model i you i sort of um looked at some other models that were happening looking at you know really taking a business approach so almost business first farming second mm-hmm. and my whole reason i wanted to do this i come from the environmental and engineering fields and what was interesting to me was that the most environmentally sustainable way to farm is theoretically the most productive, which would then also be the most profitable way to farm. And so I wanted to farm, but I wanted to be able to make a good living doing it, mm-hmm. which is something that's challenging to do. Um, and so so I started with this very business-focused approach. It was small scale, but I did like revenue planning for each bed. Everything was systematized. I figured I would start with these specific crops that were really popular, so not a lot of heirloom or specialty things, but things that everybody bought all the time, but mm-hmm. really nice versions. So instead of rainbow carrots, or sorry, instead of carrots, we would do rainbow carrots. We would do a lot of greens. And the other key here is short days to maturity. So the shorter the plant grows, the more you can grow in the same area. Sure. And that was a huge strategic decision I made. So first year I messed everything up because I was a beginning farmer and I was learning everything on my own. And I realized it's going to take me literally 20 years to learn how to farm because I can only only get one chance per season to grow a lot of these things. Sure. So I had, you know, learned about microgreens and I started growing them on the side and I just realized. And are you growing the microgreens at the time at the farm or are microgreens at the farm and then on a rack that I had that I was starting transplants. Mm -hmm. And so um, anyways, it just occurred to me one day that the shorter the plant, you know, the shorter the plant grows, 
the more chances I would have to learn. Mm -hmm. And that was like a real light bulb moment where I just made the strategic decision to go to the shortest days to maturity for everything. And sure enough, within one year, I knew everything about 30 different types of microgreens, their growth habit, their problems, everything, how to grow them. So I became an expert in growing microgreens in one year. Okay, so for people who are listening, who are (laughs) like, what the hell is a microgreen? What is, like, what, not only is there a microgreen, there are over 30 varieties of microgreens. What are they? So microgreens are just uh, very young versions of the common plants that everybody knows. Mm -hmm. So they're typically 8 to 20 days old. Um, Everybody knows probably about baby spinach, baby kale. Those plants are about 26 to 40 days old when they get harvested. And Mm -hmm. so you just harvest them sooner. So it's the same seed, for example, like a micro broccoli or a micro kale comes from the same seed as a kale or a broccoli plant. broccoli... It is not broccoli. It's a sprout, right? Well, so sprout is something different. Okay, but you know <laughs> a little what I'm bit saying? different. But like, yeah, it's the first growth of the plant. It's a okay. baby green, but it's younger. It's younger than what you would normally so see like, with a baby What did you bring spinach. in today? So I brought a, a bunch of interesting types. So you can grow, like I said, you can grow just about any plant to the microgreen stage. That includes herbs. So um, this is just like a rainbow mix that's mm-hmm. really popular for salads on sandwiches and things. But I brought some specialty varieties. If you guys do want to try, we do. One of our most popular varieties is actually micro fennel. Um, it's become super popular at the farmer's market with just like the regular um, crowd. And uh, it's just got a really strong, beautiful fennel flavor. One other thing about microgreens is that they do have a high nutrient density. Um, because it's the first growth of the plant, it comes from the seed, which contains all the nutrients. So it has on average about four to six times the so nutrient density But it's like of just an plant. essence, right? I mean, you know, it can not be. The- Right? Yeah. Can so, I jump in with a question? Yeah, sure. Because from a business perspective, you've got to keep this quarter acre farm pumping. Right, yeah. So how do you keep from tiring out the soil? Well, so... Um, but these aren't grown in the soil. Right. They You're are. We grow everything in soil. So that's one thing that no, does... No, but I mean like yeah. at the farm. These are grown in racks, right? The microgreens? In racks, in soil. Mm-hmm. And so we actually we grow everything in soil. Okay. And then the soil is composted and brought back to us. We work with Veteran Compost, a local mm-hmm. veteran-owned business, mm-hmm. um, who removes the soil every time, composts it, and then we get fresh soil every week. So it's like a closed local so system. So it's a loop. Yeah. It. And the thing that I... I mean, I prefer soil-grown... I honestly don't know any other way to do it. Um, but what I've learned over the five years that I've doing this, which is not that long, but the soil system balances itself. So I like really growing in soil in the indoor environment as well because we don't tend to have very many issues at all with pests or disease or anything because the soil is like a biological living system mm-hmm. and it's healthy. So Okay, we're right. going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk about because – I think, you know, in everybody's mind's eye, it's a farm, but you're really, you're growing indoors as well all mm-hmm. year round. Right, so. that's yep. the racks. Okay. Right. I don't think he gets it. All right. I get this it. This is David I and Nikki Nellis. Can... It's Foodie and the Beast. Oh my God, we'll be you're back so in mean. just a second. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with Mary Ackley talking about wild, ur- things. Ur- ur- wild things, but urban <laughs> farming, which is great. Now, you're opening a new farm store shortly where people will be able to go in seven days a week? It's already but, open. Oh. Yep. Our new space we just moved into in August on Bladensburg Road in Northeast, right near mm-hmm. the 8th Street Corridor, um, Trinidad neighborhood. We are, yes, we have our new 4,000 square foot indoor vertical farm there. That's where all the microgreens are grown. I want to come and do a tour. And can please I come do. And do a yeah. tour? People can okay. come and do tours. We're open seven days a week, nine to four. You can drop in. You can buy greens freshly cut from us. Um, you know, chefs can drop in and do a tasting, see what we have to offer. And then the front part um, is 
uh, we're still working on it, but it's like a retail area. You can you can come in and enjoy the farm. It's so cool. So I want to hear. So now you're working with all these chefs. Mm-hmm. How'd you get in front of them? Honestly, I started in my own neighborhood at my own my neighborhood. Where'd you start at? I started at like Boundary Stone, Boundary Stone. and like I mean, Pub in the People right. and all those guys. Yeah, they're great. Um, Do you so, know Sam Nellis? I don't know if I know Sam Nellis. No, because Sam is their <laughs> cocktail guy. Also. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so we don't we don't we don't work with Boundary Stone anymore, but we did for a long time, way back mm-hmm. when when we first started. Um, but you know, I just personally went to the restaurants and would just introduce myself and let them know that I was growing stuff in the neighborhood and that's how I did it. Well, so tell everybody where they can find you regularly Mm -hmm. and where they can find your products. Well, if you're a chef um, or a bartender, hotel, um, anyone that wants to buy wholesale. coffee director. Coffee director. (laughs) I drink, farmers drink a lot of coffee. Well, I'll speak for myself. We start early, so um, I do drink a lot of coffee. Um, just pop on our website, go to the shop tab. When you see that, you'll go to wholesale. You can sign up for a wholesale account. We, you can order online 24 uh, seven. Mm-hmm. We update our inventory. So what, what you see is what you get. We deliver for free every Friday in the DMV. You can also pick up at the farm or get it delivered seven days a week by Postmates. If you're um, just a member of our community in D.C., you can find us at the DuPont Circle Farmer's Market every Sunday. Mm-hmm. You can stop in the farm shop, which I already mentioned is open seven days a week. Or you can um, log on to our website and place an order online um, for delivery by Postmates seven days a week. Um, or join our salad share program, which you can also learn about online. Okay, more, great. It's more Thank fun you. than engineering, isn't it? Great. Thank <laughs> it you is. so much. All right, Nazia, we're going to come back to you at the end, but just tell us what you're pouring next. Awesome. I am actually brewing a tea. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so it is a green jasmine blooming tea. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, while you're pouring that... We're going to get into our next guest. Okay, so Franklin and Kate Diamond are husband and wife. Am I saying that right? Or yes, wife you and are. husband. I probably <laughs> should say wife and husband or I'll really get in trouble. Matter. But they're co-owners of Franklin Pizza in Kensington, Maryland, and their pizzas are nuts. So, Frank, why don't we talk about how you got into pizza? Because you went to L'Academy de Cuisine where they taught classic French cooking. Yeah. And these are not classic French pizzas. I love technique, you know, so whenever I go to a restaurant and I, I notice what they're putting into their food, if it's, you know, technical driven, mm-hmm. I just get all crazy about it. You know, I yes. totally geek out. Yes. Yeah. So how did you guys start? Where did Frankly Pizza start from? Because you were one of the first ones with a mobile oven. I mean, I remember it very, mm-hmm. very well. Um, so how did that, where'd you get the idea? How did you start that process? Like that was like at the advent of like food trucks and DC and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it was when everything was kind of percolating. So how did you start with that? Well, the idea was to just go right to a restaurant, which I never really wanted to do in the first place, but mm-hmm. we would just, it started really watching Lost and making pizza, going to buy the flats at Giant or wherever and then making pizza and sitting there and devouring it. And I'm like, this is, oh. I can do better than this. So mm-hmm. then I went to Trader Joe's and then I went and started making my own. I started by the gram, cooking it in the oven, cooking it in a broiler. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Kate, you know, uh, I'm going to build an oven in the backyard. So I built this brick oven in the backyard. Like, sure, honey, yeah, no, yeah sure. Whatever. It's a monstrosity. Really uh, I just don't make it this morning. I'm building a swimming pool. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'll be over to help out. Well, that's okay because our dogs are digging holes so that's deep. Right. We can just combine them. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. great. But uh, I started building this oven, and I just, as soon as I'm done, I didn't put any facade and make it sexy or anything. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to cook in it and learn how, you know, the sauce. So were you looking to do, and, like, wood fire? Like, were you playing with yeah. woods? Like, having a good time with that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had an idea of research that I should be using oak. It's just sweet and gives a really nice flavor without overpowering it, like hickory or mm-hmm. um, 
But I threw some poplar that fell in there one day off our tray, and I realized that I need to stick with oak. It just made it taste like dirt. It was okay. crazy amazing. It's just amazing what wood, the, how it imparts flavor in and let's talk a little crust. bit about your pizza style because, um, you know, 50 years ago in the States, people ate really one kind of pizza, right? It was big, round, New York-style pizza. If you were on the East Coast, yep. Chicago was deep dish, sure. right? I don't know what they were eating on the West Coast. But you weren't seeing a lot of Neapolitan-style pizzas. And now almost any place that opens up is serving a style of Neapolitan right. unless they specifically say it's Chicago or New York. So um, – uh, how did you decide on the style that you wanted for your pizza? Was there something you grew up with that you liked, or was there something that just spoke to you from a pizza standpoint? Well, I guess it all starts when you're a kid. So I just every who doesn't like pizza? I mean, although I've met a few, um, but God, I love pizza. I know, but Bunch you know, commies. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually kind of just. I like bubbles and I like char in my pizza. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with New York style pie. Right. And um, I was always kind of enamored with Neapolitan. And I went to Italy and I, their food is just incredible. But I never thought I could really emulate it here mm -hmm. in the States. It's just everything's it's different over there, you know? So I decided not to follow it's that the path, water. you know? Yeah. It's the water in New York, it's the water in Italy. <laughs> no, right? I mean, that's all there yeah, is to it. I lived in Italy. You should be afraid of the water in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> but it, when it really comes down to is just good product. Right. Really, you can't make something amazing with crap. So would crab. you call your pizza Neapolitan style? It's Neapolitan-esque. I mean, right. I kind of kind he of made this. The rules. No, I don't. Oh, right. I definitely. Yeah, yeah no, I cold ferment. There's olive oil smothered all over it to, right. to soften it. It's a little and, soupy but, in this. But what side. about yeah. what yeah. about the dough itself? I mean, is there, are you doing something special? Because what we there, yes. you know, we're there pretty regularly, and mm -hmm. there's something about. The, taste, the dough is almost sweet. I don't know how to describe well, it. You worked on that recipe it's soft for years. And it's good. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, oh, well, I put some time into that. But I also, like I said earlier, I'm a technique driven guy, mm -hmm. and there are certain rules to develop the flavor of dough and bring out the sweetness. It's all there in the form of you know starches and carbohydrates, and the, you know the yeast works at that starch creates sugar. Mm -hmm. If you let it go too long, it creates alcohol from the sugar, which you need to stop it. So we do a warm ferment, cold ferment. Try to do a 36-hour dose. It's almost impossible. But you're curing right. your own meats now. I mean, you're you're yeah. creating your own custom everything that goes with the dough, which is also yeah. part of why I like. Yeah, well, that's our thing. We uh, Kate knows that my belief was if you're going to have a restaurant, you should try to make everything you can. Mm -hmm. You know, we can all find a restaurant that just goes next door to a giant and pulls out food, you know. We've and, seen it. Hello, yeah. Dwayne and Pete. <gasps> okay, I, leave them alone. <laughs> uh, but they I love you guys. Luck. That's that's, a, that's another conversation that for another time. But so what I think is really interesting is so you start not with a brick and mortar. You start with this mobile oven. Yeah, You're showing up oven. at farmer's markets, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Were you thinking catering? What, what were you thinking? Like was there a business model in mind? Yeah. I mean what I was really trying to do is build up um, a following. Mm -hmm. So test I wanted market. to test market, see if we could, you know, get people to like our product. We would have – you know, when I built this oven out back, we would bring my friends over. Mm -hmm. I deliver my pizzas to my neighbors and get an idea what they like, what they don't like, mm -hmm. and I kind of dialed it in. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think the restaurant. Honestly, still this time. salad mix here, Mary's salad mix. I, I want this is incredible. I want that salad mix on top of one of your pizzas. Yeah, that it's beautiful. Really speaks to me. Um, you know what I mean, <laughs> I think the restaurant was always the idea. We just wanted to start small, you know, well, first, but the, and then. But actually. Not much different from Nina May. I mean, there's not a lot yeah. of properties 
that right. are small that allow you to sort of control how many people, you know, how many turnovers, how many people, like, right. I'm sure it took some a while business-wise to figure that out, but, like, you totally created that outdoor patio area that's mm-hmm. pretty usable year-round yeah. with the yeah. heaters and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you probably have a really nice takeout business as well, um, given the community <laughs> that's that you're in. a whole different story there. Oh, yeah. I bet. I don't even know how you handle it's it. It's not even supposed to be takeout. We, we are a dime in. Yeah. I mean, we're slow. We, we allow road. takeout to happen, but we have to turn off the phones on a Thursday, We're Friday, Saturday night. Oh, busy. Oh, People get upset, why. but they don't. This but is not really, a takeout have, pizza. This well, is a dining. You don't have. You don't have the space. Yeah, the no. oven's the, the the bottlenecks out. Right. Well, plus totally. by the time you get it home, it's a different pizza. Well, that too. But people yeah. want it. You know, it's, that's. Yeah, I mean, I don't wish care we could do that. more. I like it the next. Feel good. I know. My old man puts it into a cast iron and and he crisps underneath and he says it's beautiful. We oh yeah, we do that all the time. Um, yeah, thanks. So, for people who haven't had the luxury of coming to your restaurant, can we talk? We have a couple minutes. Can we talk a little bit about what they can find on the menu? Because it's not an Italian restaurant. It's, no. it's olives, salads, pizza. Frankly, frankly, it's frankly. Well, that's why. Pizza. That's why it's frankly. I mean, why? It's because, because I had Frank? to. Because I had to Just. defend. It's the definition Just. of frankly. It's I had to defend it. Listen, they're like, you can do so much more. I'm like, I know, but I'm going to do the one thing a thousand times instead of doing right. a thousand things, one, you know, and screw it up, you mm-hmm. know, which I'm really good at doing sometimes. So. <laughs> right. But everyone's like, you should do that. I'm like, no, I'm just doing pizza. Well, she knows better than anybody. Right. I just want to do pizza, and it's that's why it's Frankly Pizza. Yeah. My name is, you know, it's there. My name's Frank, but it's really just, frankly, we just, without right. using one of those I could have not words. have named it David Lee Pizza, for no. example. No, exactly. All right, so we got to get on to Will Patton, but I want to make... And you know we're we're homeries, and homers, and this is our hometown pizza place that is spectacular. And there's another one coming. I don't want too much traffic in Kensington, (laughs) but so tell everybody where to find you guys. Uh, We are in Kensington, Maryland, and um, we're franklypizza.com. Frankly Pizza and And Instagram, Facebook. So can I ask one quick question? So you still have the mobile oven? We sold that. You sold it. You're not even using it. No. That's it. So no no catering, no nothing. You're just sticking with the brick and mortar. But there is an upcoming in Annapolis we're working on right now. Oh, cool. All right. We'll keep us posted. Will you please? All right. Absolutely. And by the way, Kensington is only a mile and a quarter from the district line up Connecticut Avenue. It's not some, you know, dipstick, you know, whistle stop out there. (laughs) Quick walk. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's go back to nausea. I don't know. Will Compton is going to be with us in a couple of minutes. The Jasmine Tea. What do you think? Oh my, oh, are you it's kidding? Yeah. It's glorious. I love it. So I am... now, how does that, tell us how that works within your program. Like, a lot of people who have coffee programs do not take their tea programs seriously. Absolutely. And I have seen that constantly, and it drives me, me crazy. Me too. I grew up as a tea drinker. My family mm-hmm. is a huge tea drinker. So when I drag them to coffee shops, they need something. Where did you grow up? Are you from here? You know, I actually grew up in Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, um, he's going to start singing. Oh, when they say, okay. so really. You do. Wrong song. <laughs> Wrong song. Okay. No. Um, O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. Yeah, we all yes. know. Thank you. Um, so you grew up as a tea drinker. So how are you incorporating, like at the roost, uh, how are you incorporating the tea program, and the coffee program? Like what can people expect there? We want a really robust tea program. So uh-huh. if you want to just come in, grab a cup of tea, you prefer that over coffee, we'll have a number of really just fast, easy, delicious options do you but know all, who you're going with? Like, is there a brand that you like? Actually, not yet. We okay. are talking, I'm talking to a few tea purveyors that I really love. And so mm-hmm. we haven't made that decision just yet. Okay. So, but like, let's talk about this jasmine tea. Absolutely. Because you're, um, you're using the buds. Yes. So 
um, a part of what we want to do with the tea program is have really quick, delicious options, but then have something that's a little more luxurious for right. a tea drinker to have a really great experience around so tea pretty, that they can't get yeah, right. at home. And so the tea that you're drinking is a jasmine bud. This has all been hand-rolled. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's hand-rolled, tied together. And so whenever it, it opens like up, a flower. it blooms like it's a beautiful stunning. flower. Can you smoke it when you're done or no? <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. okay. Right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be having some cocktails in studio. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We'll be back in just a sec. I uh, just want to quickly thank our sponsors. Uh, uh, Hakan Ilhan has this fabulous new place in, in Georgetown called Brasserie Liberté. Got to go there. Uh, the folks at ProFish, Great Sustainable Seafood, mm-hmm. Ivy City Smokehouse, Meat Crafters, and Central Farm Markets. Thanks for supporting the show. If you're not a sponsor, shame on you. Call us. All right. <laughs> So now we're going to talk to Will Patton, and Will is an award-winning. I mean, you, you. First of all, you, you're you're beverage director at Michelin Star Bresca. Uh, you're currently a finalist in the Bacardi Legacy Cocktail Competition, which is why he's here today. You, right, and you helped Nina Compton uh, uh, win a, a James Beard Award down in uh, Orleans. Yeah, I I was there for that. Yeah, all right. He's I like, know, I'm not taking any yeah. responsibility. She's for not it. listening, so go crazy. <laughs> But so give us, you know, kind of give us the, the, the story. Uh, so the cocktail is called uh, Bat and Lion. Mm-hmm. Uh, bat like the animal and lion like also the animal. It's uh, for the Bacardi Legacy Competition. Which is what for people who don't know so what it is? The, uh, Bacardi uh, does a uh, annual competition mm-hmm. where uh, you're trying to create a cocktail that uh, summarizes your legacy in relation to really what Don Facundo Bacardi did when he created Bacardi, which is create a product that sort of changed the rum game. So this is a uh, cocktail-centric competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC had a, a national, uh, a global finalist two years ago. Right. So, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, French Marshall. Uh, hmm. So, and then uh, last year we also had a guy in the national. So it's really good for. Uh, I, I like to think that I'm continuing a trend in DC. Well, of all the 16 finalists, you're it from DC, correct? Correct. Yeah. I am. That's uh, so exciting. So what is it? So how does give us the layers? Like how did it work? How many different cocktails? Did you just stick with one cocktail, or did you make several different kinds of cocktails? So uh, this I fine tuned a single cocktail. Okay. Uh, so the bat in this cocktail represents obviously if you ever see a bottle of Bacardi, it has a bat on it. That's mm-hmm. because uh, Dona Amelia, Don Facundo's wife, when they opened up the distillery, she saw bats. It's a symbol of luck. So uh, the cocktail. Okay, one, it is. Apparently. <laughs> okay, I thought she was milking the rats. <laughs> no, good. <laughs> and then uh, the lion part represents uh, courage and like hard work and fortitude. Mm-hmm. So like that's the two cornerstones of any legacy. This cocktail to me is representative of like my friends, my family, where I've come from, and like my own legacy in how it relates to Bacardi. And when you are presenting this cocktail and all the iterations of the competition, are they asking for a story or are they just taste your cocktail? Uh, like, is there a presentation? Yes. It's very okay. much like a story. How I am reflected in my cocktail or how, okay. like, my relationship to the cocktail. It's too bad you're not a vampire. Cause it would have been great. I know. I'm just saying. Help. Could have been cool. Also, internal life wouldn't have yeah. <laughs> All that. Yeah, so I don't what, want that. I want to die soon. So how did you... <laughs> You're inspired by what when you put this cocktail together? Like, and what are we looking at in here? So uh, you have uh, Bacardi Superior, uh, mm-hmm. delicious. Uh, so for people who don't know, what is Bacardi Superior as opposed to regular Bacardi? Uh, so Bacardi Superior is, uh, or Bacardi Carte Blanc, is essentially like the clear white rum that when you think of Bacardi, mm-hmm. you normally think of. It's actually aged and then uh, charcoal filtered. 
giving a really lovely like vanilla, smooth. almond, very smooth, crisp, mm-hmm. uh, delicious rum. Uh, this is a, I kind of was inspired by a classic cocktail like the daiquiri. So you have your lime juice in there. We also use a freshly juiced honeydew. Uh, that's because like growing. You know, it's funny now that you say that because I was thinking Midori, right? Oh. But like, it felt like there was just a drop of Midori in mm-hmm. there. But now that you say honeydew, I mean that makes well, sense. Well, let me ask you a question: when you when you are in the competition, because what actually impressed me is this is all about the cocktail and how it tastes. There's not a lot of schmutz and right. You know, I'm not going to say you're going to put umbrellas or fruit or, but I mean, it's all I'm about that. Not going to do that anymore. It, when you serve it at <laughs> Bresca, like, no, not. when you serve it at Bresca, does it have more to it? Or? Yeah, we just have a, uh, a mint clipped garnish as well, but okay. it's a uh, minimal. Mean, this is really crisp and thank you, delicious. So then, what's next step? Uh, so next Sunday, I uh, fly down to uh, San Juan, mm-hmm. uh, where I will compete in the semifinals against the other 16 finalists. And then uh, after, then we're going to go from 16 to 8. And then uh, there's two winners out of those final eight who go on to the Globals in Miami. Oh, my so, God. That's amazing. Yeah. So hopefully I'll be able to represent D.C. and America. That's so exciting. It must be fun. Do you do a lot of competitions? I do. I do a lot of them. I don't win as many as I'd like, but I do well, a lot a of there's a lot of people competing in them. Yes. You know, you've got a lot of competition. Well, I mean, even not because the greatest anybody... home run hitters in baseball strike out. Too. Oh, yeah. Right. You know. No, I mean, I'm not saying that like anybody's better than you. I'm just saying that like it's a very large field oh, yes. of competitors. I like to think of myself as like Bradley Beal. I, like, I take a lot of shots. They don't all go in. Okay. But like. Oh, I thought you meant before you start mixing drinks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So our, tell our, our... everybody where they can find you and what you're mixing up. Uh, so, yes, you can find me at uh, Bresca on 14th and U. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, f- and will you also be at their I will next... also be at uh, Jaunt when we open up. Uh, Which in is the upstairs, coming. Right? Yes, right it's upstairs. very exciting. We're, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, who needs sleep? Uh, and then uh, also. Get a puppy, you won't have any sleep. <laughs> My girlfriend will be really happy about that. Get married, <laughs> Get married. you won't have any rest. Well, you should be bragging about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but okay, sure. Hmm. Yes. yes, Will. Yes. <laughs> we were just talking with each other. Sorry. Is that something to say? She's insatiable. Uh, what can but, I say? Yeah. So uh, come on, we got a great team of uh, Nico, Nick, uh, Jason at uh, Bresca, and we'd love to have you in. Excellent. Thank you All so right. much You're for joining welcome. us, and good luck. good luck. Thank you so much. I think we should broadcast live from San Juan. Don't yeah, you? me yeah, too. Let's All do right. it. All right, nausea. Nausea. So we haven't really talked much about the roost and cameo. Just give us, um, we have like about two minutes. So we have time to talk a little bit about what people can look forward to there. Absolutely. We want to build a community-oriented coffee shop for everyone. So no matter where you are on your coffee journey, no matter if you are a tea drinker and prefer that, it's going to be a place where you can just feel really welcome Mm -hmm. and have a great cup of coffee or tea and also food alongside your coffee and tea. There'll be an all-day cafe. So. Um, yeah, it'll but so just... with your coffee program, because we haven't really gotten into it very much, there's so much like coffee education out there right now, like pour overs versus French press versus drip. Like, what are you? Are you doing all of it? Like, what do you? What's your focus? Absolutely, we um, will certainly have a quick coffee for the people who just need to run to work and grab a coffee. Mm-hmm. We will have a pour over, a slower bar where we will do a one cup at a time, single origin coffees, just so that we can offer a wider variety of coffees. Because there are real coffee aficionados out there who want that. Sure. Absolutely. That's what I was going to ask. Aside from your, I mean, it's the same with bourbon or with anything. There are people that are in the know and people that would like to be in the know and aren't and might even be intimidated. 
and don't want to look, you know, dumb. So aside from the baristas, uh, is there, will there be a website that will explain all of this or will there be takeaway information or stuff like that or no? Sure. I mean, I think we want to meet people where they're at. And so um, we're looking into potentially doing classes or things like that to Pepping bring, yeah, yeah just really that. be. So what is this? So what you're finally drinking, it's a rooibos rose latte. So another thing, we just want to create more opportunities, more options I for I never tea put drinkers. milk in my tea at all. Yeah. But you did. Yeah, it's a fun it's it a fun mix it. if you want like a caffeine-free option, mm-hmm. but you also love like a frothy a frothy milk beverage. Um we we will have at least 3 or 4 tea lattes on the menu okay. as well. And so just lastly before we wrap up, milk options because there's a variety that you can have. Are you going to offer all of it? Absolutely. We um, are actually going to work to build an alternative milk in-house. So um, using something that's plant-based, that's a little bit more sustainable, better for the environment. Um, we will have dairy for those people who love a traditional latte, but we want to. We have chef powerhouses in this company and we want to use that experience and that knowledge to build some really cool fun things you can't find anywhere else all right tell everybody where they can find you okay so cameo is going to open in the spring mm-hmm. march 2020 most likely March-ish. it is in hill east 14th and pennsylvania southeast great thank you so all much right. for coming in today and thanks for all the delicious pours that thank was you. great so that went fast the show's almost over everything you heard about on the show today you find more information on Nikki's website thelistareyouwantit.com follow her on Instagram follow her on Facebook okay let me take over don't follow so me so you anywhere. can follow me at Nikki Nellis N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram Facebook and Twitter of course you want to go to thelistareyouwantit.com for every food and wine event happening in the D.C. metro area you want to tune in to me on fullserviceradio.org on industry night at 5 p.m. every Monday and obviously we're here for Foodie and the Beast so this was a terrific show we want to thank all of our guests in studio for joining us today next week we won't be here because as you know from Last week, it's International Sous Vide Day. We're going to be at the Conrad Hotel toasting with Cuisine Solutions. I'll be emceeing. If you want those free tickets, you still need to DM me on Instagram. And the following week, we're going to be getting ready for some football. So we thank, again, our guests in studio. We thank our listeners. And everybody, please have a delicious week. 